You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. My name is Lucio. I'm your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, great. Uh, it is, you know, that time of the year and the holidays. You know, I, I bet a lot of people are waiting for another podcast shortly after all the news that's been breaking lately. But uh, between Jackson and I, it's been quite a chore trying to get a schedule together, right, Jackson? It's uh, It's been pretty busy for us. Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy, especially with what has occurred with the Fresno State football program from Jeff Tedford stepping down to Kalen DeBoer being hired to early signing day. It's been, I mean, full-on reporter mode on my end and getting all the stories up on the bark board. And you know, we broke that news of DeBoer's hire. Uh, hopefully, if you're a bark board subscriber, you were the first to know there. And the several, I mean, the the coaching search along the way, and that also makes it a little bit tough to re- record a podcast when, you know, we're reporting certain kind of sensitive pieces of information on the the premium board that uh, aren't really uh, at liberty to, to speak on here. So now that everything's out there and everything's kind of settled down, we can kind of go in uh, no holds barred here and, and discuss all that happened with the the coaching search. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it definitely a lot of news have has broken lately. Right before the signing period, um, Coach Kalen DeBoer gets hired, which then opens the door for for ev- for them to announce that right before signing day. So all the the recruits that were signing knew exactly who their head coach was going to be, which uh, I, I believe Fresno State applied for a waiver in order to make that happen. Right, Jackson? Yeah, typically for a Cal State University hire from any job from you know, bottom to the top, uh, you usually have to use a 14-day window to uh, let all the candidates apply and make sure it's a fair hiring process and everything. And that's been something that Fresno State's been affected by in the hires recently in the past. But um, you know, it sounds like they were able to dig in a little bit more on that rule and see exactly how hard it was enforced. Um, sounds like it wasn't necessarily as, as strict as once believed. And uh, there was also just some unusual circumstances here with uh, Coach Tedford. You know, the, it wasn't a situation where Fresno State fired someone and then went to hire someone else. It was really unexpected, uh, came suddenly, and the timing was really poor for Fresno State, where they would have been in the situation going into signing day without a head coach. So. Uh, they were able to circumvent it a little bit, get everything in order, and uh, put uh, the hiring process, get it through and push through. And really, uh, I think we all kind of expected Kalen DeBoer to ultimately be the hire, and there was no need for it to drag on any longer at that point. And just to clarify things, it wasn't uh, Coach Tedford uh, basically stepping down, uh, you know, quitting his job. It was basically uh, out of a necessity, uh, according to his health, right, Jackson? All the particulars now are out there in the open. And, you know, what more can you say to kind of clear up that that whole situation of what people are thinking exactly happened there? Yeah, you know, that was a, a wild, uh, about 24 hours, everything kind of unfolded, uh, kind of out of nowhere. I had heard Coach Tedford had been, you know, seeing some medical advice and things like that, but for him to completely step down, I didn't see that coming. And so when uh, news started to break, uh, I believe it was that Thursday night and then the Friday morning, uh, they held the press conference and Coach Tedford laid everything out on the table basically for everyone, said that 
after one of their practices uh, a few weeks or late in the season. So it sounds like sometime in November, uh, he went out to see a doctor or go to the hospital. It wasn't feeling right, and they had to shock his heart back into rhythm, and you know, they were tried to kind of sneak him back there so it wouldn't draw much attention. And it's kind of a, a crazy situation where it was clear that you know, his heart just was not cooperating with what he needed um, the heart rate bouncing wildly from slow to fast I mean the opposite ends of the spectrum farther than what a normal heart rate should be and so he uh, announced that next month he'll be uh, undergoing an ablation procedure and just uh, in general he was informed by medical his medical team that just the stresses that he's putting on himself through this job and his overall health and the state of his heart, it was just not a good mixture for him and it was going to put him in some danger. And so they're going to have him go through at least this one procedure and see if he needs any more medical attention. But, you know, this is the second time he's gone through this. It was back in Tampa Bay. He was supposed to be an NFL offensive coordinator about five years ago and never really got started because he had some heart issues then. And, you know, it's kind of got to the point where his family's concerned and He's been so, you know, on the the, the run 24-7 for all these years coaching football that uh, it was time to kind of readjust priorities in his life and make sure that he's healthy, first of all, and probably spend some more time with his family going forward rather than uh, grinding the way that a, a college football coach needs to. So it was, uh, you could tell he probably wasn't quite ready for it. It was a sad press conference for sure. He got emotional quite a bit and you could tell that he had some unfinished business here that he didn't plan on uh, finishing things at Fresno state so early. But I think that also puts in perspective how critical it was that the Bulldogs were so successful his first two years. I mean, if this was a normal uh, coaching turnaround as bad as Fresno state was when he got here with a one and 11 season, I think most people probably expected maybe four or five wins his first year, maybe get to a bowl the second year and start maybe competing for a Mountain West championship by year three or four. So for him to fast-track that process so quickly the first two years, uh, I think it made it you – know, it's still difficult for him. He, you can tell he loves this job, but he at least got Fresno State where he wanted to get it in a short amount of time and put the Bulldogs in a good spot going into this coaching search. In all honesty, I mean, you and I both were watching Coach Teffer throughout the season, and for whatever reason, you and I both kind of you know mentioned this, that – Things just didn't seem right all season long uh, with Coach Tedford. I mean, there was some, uh, you know, odd the way he kind of looked. He there was times where he was just kind of pale. So this should have this probably was something that was going ongoing longer than probably Tedford realized, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, possibly. I, I remember you know, after that Minnesota game, he was still, you know, kind of the same old Coach Tedford, and he was really. You know, kind of frustrated by the reaction because the red wave and you know the media and everyone was so, you know, kind of disappointed by those two losses. They were so close, and you know, Coach Tedford was trying to get that message out there that you know there was just a couple plays away from winning those games. He's got a young team. You know, as a couple of weeks went by, it was injuries and uh, trying to kind of defend the, what he thought was going to be a really good season still. And as the season kind of went on, it seemed like there was less of that kind of defending his team in a way it was more about well this is just kind of what happens when you're injured and 
uh, when you have so many young players playing, you're, you're going to lose some games. And it just seemed like he was a little more accepting of the situation. And I don't know if that was uh, an effort to keep the stress off. Or uh, and then even the the games around November, there was you know a lot of people questioned the, some of the coaching decisions that occurred and some of those losses down the stretch. So it, it did seem. You know, uncharacteristic from just about top to bottom, the way the team was performing and some of the decisions that were made down the stretch. And it did make us start to wonder a little bit if anything else was going on. Yeah, just something throughout the season that we just couldn't put our finger on it. Now it kind of after this happens, you kind of sit back and kind of and kind of wonder, well, maybe this is what was going on, because you could tell that Tedford just wasn't himself throughout the season. There was times where he he just I mean, I understand a losing season, you have a lack of patience, but there was a little more lack of patience than usual <laughs> in certain instances. So, I mean, you could tell that things were affecting him. We just couldn't figure out if it was uh, the way the Bulldogs were playing or if it was more something else going on. And obviously there was something else going on uh, health-wise that has is, is forced him to ultimately leave his position at head coach uh, for the Bulldogs. But then, you know, after the the news had broke, the the same time that the news broke that uh, that Coach Tefford was stepping down, a, a, a head coaching name popped up at the exact same time in Kalen DeBoer, which at the time was kind of premature, unless the Bulldogs already knew that's who they were going after, Jackson, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think um, I think there were some obvious connections that made him a candidate, and. You know, it's funny, he was connected as a a candidate and pretty shortly after as well, it was put out there that Tim Skipper was very interested in the job. And ultimately, I think those were two of the guys that ended up actually being some of the final guys taking those interviews. But, um, you know, there was definitely a a search that happened from those two points of the timeline and some new names that popped up, some names we didn't expect, uh, some other names that made sense that were in discussion and um you know, as we had a, a pretty long list of coaches on our hot board there, on uh, the premium board, but ultimately it did seem like Kalen DeBoer was just kind of the obvious choice. There was, you know, Coach Tedford has really preached continuity with the program whenever there's been a change for, within his own staff, and Kalen DeBoer now is someone that has been with the program very recently. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bulldogs' 22 and six run over 2017 and 18. He knows. You know, the foundation that Coach Tedford has laid out there, um, what it takes to be successful in this area and knowing the Valley very well. So everything just seemed to kind of line up and it made it especially easy because he was so good at Indiana this year, a program that very rarely is successful the way that they were this year, eight and four heading to a bowl game. Uh, They could tie a program record nine wins if they win that one, which uh, Coach DeBoer will coach uh, the Hoosiers offense in before uh, fully being the Bulldog head coach going forward but um, yeah it was just uh, looking at the candidates that were out there it seemed like DeBoer was kind of the obvious pick yeah, I mean, it was his his name was the first one to pop up. You know, of course, there was other names that were floated out there. Um, you know, some some you know had the potential, and others you know were just absurd at times. <laughs> some of these <laughs> names that were popping up uh, of people who who you know wanted them to be the coach, but in all honesty. Uh, it's all about the budget that the Bulldogs can afford. So some of those names that were being floated out there really never had a shot, right, Jackson? Uh, Yeah, and, uh, you know, when we went into this coaching search, as far as covering it, it looked like 
the Bulldogs were going to have some similar dollars to what they had with Coach Tedford as far as the base goes. You know, Coach Tedford really racked in some money with the incentives, and I, I don't think the Bulldogs had enough to make that contract as similar as Coach Tedford had. But as far as the base, they were able to get Kalen DeBoer about $1.5 million per year over the next five years is the, the current deal. It's going to be incrementally increasing, so it's not starting at one point five, but uh, averaging out, it, that's about where it's going to be. And there was some concern maybe they wouldn't have that available just because you look at the round at the Mountain West, and you know the large majority of the Mountain West schools are well under a million. Uh, Coach Tedford was one of four coaches making over 1.5 last year in the Mountain West, and everyone else was under a million. So that was a, a big gap between those four coaches at the top of the salary ranks and the, the other eight uh, that you know, roamed the conference. But UNLV went out there. They paid big money for Marcus Arroyo, and I think Fresno State was in a position where if they didn't lay out this kind of salary for Coach DeBoer, it was going to be a considerable backstep for whoever the next candidate might have been. Yeah, so things, uh, you know, you would like to have some of those big-time names, but unfortunately, uh, because of the position that the Bulldogs are in, uh, they're they're kind of handicapped as far as what they can afford and 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 really go after. So, Kalen DeBoer still being uh, uh, in a position where they can still afford him, and and let's face it, Kalen DeBoer really loved his time here at the Bulldogs with, with the Bulldogs. In fact, he it continued to watch how the Bulldogs progressed this past season, <laughs> and and never really stopped you know rooting for the Bulldogs. So that's that that me tells me uh, that he is a coach that really bought into what he did here at Fresno State in the short time that he was here and really fell in love with the area. So you think that's going to translate well moving into next season here with Kalen DeBoer? I think it is. You know, I, I specifically remember listening. I just happened to tune into one of the Indiana radio stations when he first took that job as offensive coordinator there, um, You know, not too long, about a year from this point last year. And uh, you could really tell he was torn when they asked him about making that move away from Fresno State, and you know, going from, I believe he was making close to three hundred thousand as Fresno State's offensive coordinator, and Indiana offered him about eight hundred thousand plus incentives. I think he made almost a million just as an offensive coordinator, and you could just tell, you know, that his family loved it here, he loved it here, he was really bought into what was going on, but. I mean, that's a life-changing salary there and a posi- uh, ultimately put him in position to be where he is right now. So uh, you could tell that his family does like it here. He mentioned that his daughters are, are softball players and it's a little uh, cold and snowy in Indiana right now. They're looking forward to getting back to, to Fresno and being able to play year-round in a place like sunny California. And just this specific area of California that is a little bit more like the Midwest where he's from and um, you know, fortunately, he has those two years of experience being here at Fresno State where he understands how important Valley recruiting is to this area, both for the program and the fan base, and understands kind of the pride and tradition of Bulldog football. And it was just kind of a perfect fit for him. I, I think that he would legitimately stay here for quite a long time if he's successful, even if some Power Five offers come his way. I think. He's making enough money and he likes it enough here that this is kind of where he wants to make the roots for his young family. Yeah, so you could potentially see him here as a head coach, uh, depending on on his success. He could potentially be here for 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 some time, um, you know, if he decides to really dig in and and really enjoy his time here 
in California, uh, in Fresno. So, uh, you know, this could be potentially one of those moves where Coach DeBoer could be a household name by the time his career is done here at, uh, at Fresno State, right, Jackson? I mean, it, it just it seems like it has that kind of a potential for him. Yeah, and you look at his previous head coaching experience, and it's at the NAIA level, so it take it with a little bit of grain of salt, but a 67-3 and record, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> it's hard to believe it. With three national championships in five years, I mean, that that's pretty impressive stuff, regardless of what level it was. If it was peewee, <laughs> it's pretty hard to do. But uh, I think that's one of the other things that Fresno State has been desperately looking for as well. You know, four and eight was tough for the Red Wave to, to swallow this year, but I think what makes it worse is that Fresno State's at four and eight, and Boise State's eleven or well, they're twelve and one now. They're in the top twenty. They're playing in the Vegas Bowl again. I mean, it's Boise State's kind of the standard right now for the Red Wave, and they never have that off year. Their off year is nine or ten wins, and for Fresno State to be a team that can have a twelve and two season and be a, a top 25 team, be one spot away from playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, and then to go to 4-8 and eight the next year. Uh, I mean, that, that's tough. Uh, people just have higher expectations for the program. And you look at Kalen DeBoer, how successful and consistent he's been at every stop he's been at. It does seem like he's the guy that could give Fresno State that, that Boise State kind of, of run over a long period of time. But you just never know with college football. We thought Coach Tedford would be here for a long time. Uh, goes cut short abruptly. You know, even Tim DeRuiter, he had been here for five years, and he had a lot more on his contract. It didn't seem like that would turn as quickly as it did. And you just don't see a whole lot of head coaches sticking around for very long for whatever reason, whether it's um, you know failure or uh, just kind of complacency. It, it just seems like programs do need that spark every once in a while. But Fresno State's a proven place where a guy like Jim Sweeney, a guy like Pat Hill can stay for a long time and have those kinds of years there, here and there and have sustained success. But the Bulldogs are still looking to get to another level, and DeBoer does seem like he has potential to do that here. Yeah, and of course, with any coaching change, there's always going to be some uh, personnel changes, uh, not, not just uh, coaching staff-wise, but also uh, player wise, I mean, we have we've noticed some players have uh, put their names into the the transfer portal. Um, and what more can you say about that, if any, uh, Jackson, on on some of these players uh, wanting to make a move uh, from the program? Yeah, there's two known uh, players that are in the transfer portal, and they made their announcements before, um, or where we discovered it <laughs> before uh, the coaching uh, announcement was made with Coach DeBoer. So you're looking at quarterback Blaze McKibben. Uh, from my understanding, since he's a preferred walk-on, he can transfer anywhere he wants and play right away. But he was kind of an unusual preferred walk-on. He was a three-star recruit that had a couple offers coming out of high school and it just happened to work out this way for the two parties. Uh, so the Bulldogs will be down at least one quarterback going forward and then um, running back Peyton Dixon that one really stings because he was a, a big recruiting coup in their last um, their last class in 2019 he was the only running back they took they had a lot invested in him and so the transfer portal doesn't necessarily mean they're gone for 100% sure but he is going to be looking for somewhere else to go and uh, I think that's kind of reflected in Fresno State's recruiting class this year. It took two running backs. They might take a third, if possible, between now and fall camp. So uh, not a lot of guys out yet as far as the roster goes, but 
they are there have been a few defections and just naturally even if there wasn't a coaching change we could see a few more before uh, the next couple of weeks come about yeah, that's definitely something that we're going to have to keep an eye on to see where these players are, are going to pan out. And of course, when you get a new coaching staff in, it usually kind of tends to shake things out, uh, shake things up a little bit uh, with all the uh, you know uneasy, un unrest, un, un unsure of what their future is going to be on the program. So some of them opt to just take off and go somewhere else. You know, that's that's a given. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens there. Um, but you know, not only are the players going, but you know, the, there's been talks of possible coaching changes uh, as far as the the coaching staff is concerned. Uh, you know, what what do you see happening here? I mean, what do you see? Probably a mass exodus, or or you know, we'll see what happens in the next few days or so. This has been the biggest surprise to me because clearly, you know, whenever a head coach is hired, he wants to bring in his own staff and and have his own picks of, of key position coaches. But this was a situation where it seemed like for all intents and purposes, uh, they were going to bring in DeBoer and it was going to kind of be business as usual. Might be a few changes here or there, but uh, having someone that worked alongside most of these coaches just two seasons ago and having a lot of personal relationships with them and several of the coaches on last year's Bulldog staff being former Fresno State players as well, uh, it seemed like it, was going to be a, a pretty quick and smooth transition, but um, uh, as soon as 24 hours within uh, Coach DeBoer's hire, we learned that several of the assistant coaches are expected to part ways, whether it be by DeBoer's choosing or uh, their own decision to leave the program. It sounds like it's kind of a case-by-case -case deal, but um, at the end of the day, it does look like more than half of Coach Tedford's staff will not be back with Fresno State next season. And that's a little bit of a shock. So uh, Coach DeBoer's got a lot of hires to make. It does sound like we've got a, a full rundown of what we've been hearing up on the, the Barkboard Premium Board as to who's coming back and, and who won't be. But it does sound like Coach DeBoer is going to have a, a big group of new coaches coming in, and we'll see uh, how he approaches that. Is it going to be player or coaches from kind of the Jeff Tedford tree? Because Coach Tedford is still going to be around. He's going to be there as a mentor to coach DeBoer and the staff, or is it going to be guys that coach DeBoer has worked with? Maybe someone from Indiana, uh, someone that dates back to Eastern Michigan or Southern Illinois, or even Sioux Falls. So, uh, or maybe he'll go off the board. Uh, that's what coach Tedford did when he was first brought in here. No one from Fresno state knew who the heck, uh, Kalen DeBoer or Orlando Steinauer were. And they proved to be that's, you know, the perfect hires for the Bulldogs in 2017. And then DeBoer again in 18, so those were uh, big moves, and it looks like Coach DeBoer's got that same kind of uh, deal in front of him. It's not quite clearing house or changing the culture, but at the end of the day, it is going to be a, a much different looking staff, and we didn't expect that going in. Well, exactly. I mean, you, you need to get people in here who are going to buy into what Kalen DeBoer wants to do, uh, you know, because let's face it, he, you know, he was he did was brought in with with Tedford, but at the same time, Kalen DeBoer wants to put his own stamp on this program. He's going to want to be able to to do it his way, and he, he's going to need to put people in place who, who are going to be able to do that for him. So, uh, you know, the natural thing is some of these coaches are, are going to go, and, and probably what ended up happening is some of these coaches were unsure of their position moving forward and had already started making plans to leave. So that could have very well have been part of the project, part of the the reason why some of these coaches are leaving. 
So uh, we won't really know for sure what the reasoning behind it. All we know is some of them are leaving. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that's the case, whether it was by the board's decision or if it was the coaches themselves deciding that they were going to move on. But um, that is for them and God to understand. Right, Jackson? <laughs> so but that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on, you know, other than having a, a new coach, we, we've got new players coming into the program, new blood, so to speak, of players who have recruit, been recruited by Fresno State and who have committed and actually have signed with Fresno State. Uh, this past week, they, the signing class was announced, and we're going to go ahead and, and dive into that. And Jackson, you can, you can tell us a little bit about each one of these players uh, as I read them off and, and, and tell us your take on what you see and, and what they can provide for the Bulldogs here. So let's let's go ahead and start off. We've got quarterback Logan Fife, of course, out of Tracy, California, just north of Fresno, probably about what a couple of about a couple of hours north of Fresno, right? So um, he is a quarterback that they went at right after after Jaden Casey had uh, changed his commitment over to Cal, and so this one was one that they had next on the board right Jackson so what can you tell us about uh, about Logan Fife and his ability to to join the the Bulldogs here yeah Fife is really interesting because he wasn't all that well known on the recruiting trail but you know he's one that I've known since his sophomore year it was actually him and Jaden Casey were two out of about seven quarterbacks uh, that summer who uh, got some special one-on-one time with coach Tedford and I believe Kalen DeBoer was there as well actually uh, that was um, their, their summer camp. They bring in high school recruits and guys that are trying to get on the radar. And uh, Casey actually announced his commitment after that uh, that event. But Fife was there, and I know Fresno State really liked him, and he was kind of a, a close second in that race. Uh, the following year came around, Casey was committed, and uh, Fife decided to show up anyway. He knew that the Bulldogs didn't really have a scholarship, but he said he went to that camp anyway to – show that if something happened that he should be the next guy up and again fresno state took only four quarterbacks from that camp aside with the this one-on-one time with tedford and it was casey fife and two others and so fife's recruiting never really took off he got an offer from cal poly and he had committed there but when fresno state came around uh, that was the one he was really wanting and it's not just that he's kind of from the area or or that he liked Coach Tedford or anything uh, actually within the program, but he's been a Bulldog fan since he was very little. He's got pictures of him and his family in Bulldog Stadium watching games, and uh, he's been just kind of that that fan, the Bulldog-born kind of recruit that you get every once in a while. And so his recruiting resume is is not as impressive, of course, as Casey or, or many of the others in this recruiting class, but Coach Tedford and even Coach DeBoer previously had invested a lot into this quarterback recruit, and they really liked him, and they seemed to see something that most other schools didn't in this process. So we'll see if that, uh, if their analysis there and their evaluation pans out for Fresno State. Yeah, definitely something that the the Bulldogs um, are going to are, are going to need heading into next season. I mean, let's face it, quarterback play is it's becoming a very focal point right now uh, amongst fans at Fresno State uh, <laughs> after this past season. So it is something that um, I believe that that door is going to be wide open for the starting position next year, right, Jackson? Uh, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. 
Yeah, it'll be a wide open competition. I do think Jake Hayner is going to be the, the clear cut favorite, but Ben Wooldridge, who stepped into the Bulldogs twice there for, uh, for Jorge Reina due to injury there in the last couple of games, he's been the backup all season long, and he is going to definitely give uh, Hayner some competition. They've also got Stephen Comstock, who we've seen as a such a good athlete that they used him on kickoff coverage. So. There will definitely be some competition there between those three guys, and we'll see if um, anyone else is able to join or if someone like Nate Lamb returns and makes his, uh, his case as well. Yeah, so that one should be interesting to watch. I'm kind of excited for spring ball just to kind of see some of these quarterbacks start to go at it a little bit. But we'll we'll see what happens uh, uh, between the quarterback positioning, and we'll give uh, more updates as, as things start to pan out. Next uh, player that was on the board, uh, running back Malik Sherrod. Now, this one was a uh, uh, a player out of Oxnard, uh, California, and he is a running back that that person that actually committed to Fresno State when they didn't know who the head coach was going to be. So this one was kind of a surprise at that moment. Um, what more can you say about him? All I know is he's a he's he's another little short guy. I mean, I'm taller than him. <laughs> he's five foot eight. And I'm I'm like five foot nine. So I'm like right there. <laughs> So, uh, you know, he's he's not going to be very tall. Uh, he, you know, stands like Ronnie Rivers. So what can you say about him there? Yeah, you know, uh, Malik Sherrod gave me a, a really, really awesome quote when he committed. He said that he knew the pride and tradition of Fresno State football was so good that regardless of who the head coach was going to be, he knew they were going to hire someone that would get the job done and continue that pride and tradition of the program so i mean you don't hardly get someone that's bought in like that without a head coach or an assistant coach that you know going forward so that was an impressive one he had been really high on fresno state for some time and you know fresno state finally offered him there in early december and it took him about five days he announced he was going to be a bulldog so that was a pretty quick uh, open and shut case for the dogs to get him into the class you know athletically at five foot eight 165 he does have a, a lot of similarities to Ronnie Rivers. Now, uh, Ronnie was a little more active on the, you know, kind of the recruiting scene uh, with the camps. He was the MVP of the running back group at uh, the opening. So everyone knew who Ronnie Rivers was, but the Pac-12 schools, the bigger schools, they were kind of down on his height as the similar five foot eight. They never made the move. And uh, very fortunately for Fresno State, they got Coach Tedford in to, to give uh, Ronnie that scholarship and get him in here. Uh, but Sherrod brings a lot of the, the same. He's not necessarily as well known on the recruiting trail because he doesn't have the legacy uh, like Ron Rivers had for Ronnie. Uh, but uh, Sherrod did lead Pacifica High School in Oxnard to a 15-0 and record. Uh, they were state champions. He put up tremendous stats and it was just a guy that was so productive it's hard to, to deny. So you know, Fresno State has done well in the past with smaller running backs, with Ronnie Rivers right now, with guys like uh, Robbie Rouse very recently. So Sherrod thinks he's going to be the next. He really likens his game to Ronnie Rivers and could be a very quick uh, fix for Fresno State once uh, Rivers graduates to fill that kind of role for Fresno State as a, a smaller back who um, you know just kind of does everything pretty well and has been overlooked a little bit because of his height. Yeah, so that's going to be another one of those interesting ones. I mean, we've, Fresno State has had success with with smaller running backs. I mean, you're looking at Ronnie Rivers. Uh, I mean, in the past, I mean, who else we've had? Uh, Clifton Smith was in here at one point. Uh, 
you had Mighty Mouse Rouse, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Robbie Rouse, the, the record holder of yardage, he still holds the record, and he wasn't very tall to, to begin with either. So, you know, having shorter running backs doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a handicap for the Bulldogs. It just means they're harder to find when they're trying to go through the holes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it just it works in their favor sometimes. Um, but uh, next player up, another local product, uh, an athlete, Kosi Agina, uh, out of Sanger High. And uh, it seems like that pipeline now with Sanger High has been developed with the Bulldogs. I mean, not only have you gotten Jalen Cropper, you've got Aaron Mosby, but now you add another three-star athlete in Kosi uh, Agina, and and here we go. You know, that, that pipeline is going, right, Jackson? So what can you say about this this player? Yeah, it, you know, it's been a couple of years now because uh, Cropper went off to Buchanan for a season, and Mosby's been at Fresno State for a couple of years, but I was a bit surprised to hear that Agina has a really good relationship with those two. It goes back to 2016. That was a, a Valley Championship singer team where I believe Agina would have been a, a freshman, and uh, Mosby would have been a senior. I guess Cropper would have been a sophomore. So they all, they're all pretty close from that season. And uh, Gina's been looking up to those guys, trying to, to get that Valley Championship back to Sanger uh, after seeing what they were able to do. But they've been still keeping in contact. And uh, Gina's really been close with those two guys. They, they talk a lot over the course of the season. He looks up to them, gets advice from them. And he was very excited about the Fresno State offer. He's a, a big local Central Valley kind of a guy that was very, uh, very interested in staying home and being a part of the Bulldog program. He did get some offers from UNLV, Wyoming, some that he considered pretty heavily, but ultimately the, the Bulldogs were the right spot for him. And it'll be interesting to see where he winds up because I know on 24-7 sports we've got him as a cornerback. I know uh, Jamie Christian, who has been the Bulldogs running backs coach, wanted him as a running back for the Bulldogs. So uh, I think initially you're going to look at him as a running back for the program, but he can play on either side of the ball. And uh, really an awesome two-way athlete that is going to find a spot somewhere to, to make a contribution pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take long for them to kind of figure out a spot for him. Uh, I mean, he can play anywhere and wherever the Bulldogs need him the most, that's probably where he's going to end up uh, at playing at. Um, the next player on the list, again, another local product. So I, you know, the fans are loving this. We're, we're picking up some of these players that are here locally and keeping him home. We've got wide receiver Mac Delina, um, out of San Joaquin Memorial, a three star wide receiver. So we're, we're adding to the wide receiver, uh, core of, of athletes here, uh, at Fresno state. And this, this looks like a, a really good addition to that wide receiver core. Jackson, what more can you say about him? Yeah, I first saw Delena as a junior last year, and I went to Memorial to see, uh, at the time, it was their quarterback, Alec Trujillo, and their wide receiver, Josh Kelly, were both heading to San Jose State. Uh, Kelly ultimately flipped to Fresno State, uh, so a good one there for the Bulldogs, but went to see them, went to see Jalen McMillan, who is a a four-star wide receiver who is now committed to Washington. And while trying to key in on those few guys, uh, Delena really shined in that game, both not only on offense, but on defense, too. Whether it was a wide receiver on offense or as a safety on defense, he was just making plays all over the field. I was stunned that this wasn't a player that had the same kind of recruiting interest that some of those other guys had. Now, uh, Mac Delena does not quite have the size as some of those other players do. He's a little bit undersized, but I mean, he's a dynamic athlete. And uh, I thought that he would pick up some more offers as well. I think 
when he was at Fresno State's uh, camp as well, mentioning that uh, where Fife and uh, Jaden Casey were earlier this year, uh, Delena was recorded as the fastest player there when they did the, the speed tests, and he was also a very impressive wide receiver at the camp. They offered him right there on the spot, and uh, it didn't take him long to commit. I think had he kept things open, he probably would have got some more Mountain West offers. Don't think he has the size to have gotten a, a Power 5 opportunity, but this is one that... Because he's right here in Fresno State's own backyard, it was an obvious offer and one to pursue. And he might be one of those guys that really breaks out and makes people wonder why he didn't have more recruiting interest. Yeah, so it's it's a great addition. And, of course, that's that feels like that's another pipeline that's starting to develop there in San Joaquin Memorial. So hopefully they can keep that one going uh, because they tend to have uh, great athletes year after year in that program. Um, so it's going to be Interesting to see how things kind of shake out with the new coaching staff if they're going to continue to pursue that pipeline at San Joaquin Memorial. Next player on the list is a tight end, Matt Lowe. Now, this one was kind of a surprise. This guy, this guy committed to Fresno State uh, with a lot of uh, you know a lot of big name offers from Arizona State, Boise State, San Diego, and others. You know, standing at six foot five. That this is a good win for the Bulldogs as far as the tight end position is concerned, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, and I think the other thing that makes this interesting is I believe uh, it was two out of three between Arizona State, Boise State, and San Diego State. At least two of those schools wanted him to be a linebacker. So this is definitely a, a exceptional athlete that can play both ways, uh, whether it be in that mid-level on defense or as a receiving target slash blocker on offense. Uh, Fresno State wanted him as a tight end from the start, and I wasn't sure where exactly his heart was going to be, if that was going to make an impact. And I knew I'd seen him out there at Bulldog Stadium a few times, but when you look at those kinds of offers, you figure that he would have ridden it out, taken some visits and things, but kind of abruptly committed to Fresno State during the season, shut things down, and decided he wanted to be a Bulldog. The coaching change didn't deter him or anything. So, I mean, all around, this is a good win for Fresno State, whether it be Uh, His recruiting resume, this is one of the better gets in the class, as well as the tight end position where they really needed a high school recruit to start developing there. And knowing Kalen DeBoer, I would anticipate the the tight ends will continue to be a big part of the offense, much more like they were in 2017 and 18 compared to last year. And so Lowe is a guy that could be the next kind of Jared Rice to start molding into that role. My hope is that the Bulldogs will get that tight end position rolling again because the, the past year it didn't seem like uh, the tight end was very involved much throughout this last season. Um, I think a lot of it had to to do with the offensive line really being sparse and really keeping that tight end to help block <laughs> a lot of times really didn't help uh, the, the tight end to be very productive offensively uh, other than just being in on pass protection or things like that. Uh, but, you know, with the next player coming in for the offensive line, there is hope that we can get the offensive line back on track, right, Jackson? I mean, they went down like flies this past season. <laughs> so, you know, the next player on the list is offensive lineman Julian Palindo. I hope I said that right. Um, <laughs> he's a, a three-star player out of Palm Springs, California, and he actually chose Fresno State over other schools such as San Jose State, and he also had offers from Cal and Arizona State at six foot five, three thirty-five, what can you say about this guy? I mean, he's he's all meat, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, Coach Grubb described him as massive, I believe, and so uh, this is one that Fresno State had offered quite some time ago, 
And uh, not too long after, he picked up offers from Cal and Arizona State, and it's kind of one of those recruits you figure, oh, there it goes, you know, heading to the Power Fives. But uh, Cal's offensive line spots filled up real fast, as did Arizona State's, and kind of brought Palindo back down to his Mountain West options. But he had been high on Fresno State from the beginning, and San Jose State was actually the first school to offer him. So those two really emerged as the, the favorites for him. He went all the way down to signing day before he made a decision. And the Fresno State Bulldogs were able to get him. And the other interesting thing there is that he is the rare high school early enrollee. And as an offensive lineman, you don't see too many true freshmen contribute right away. But if you have that much size, I mean, this spring could be a really ideal opportunity for him to, to get in, learn the playbook, get some reps, and make a legitimate case to contribute right away. And with Fresno State's injuries, as you just mentioned, uh, I believe 11 different offensive linemen went down over the course of the season. The other thing about that is that several of them are going to be rehabbing over the spring. Their injuries were that severe. So there's going to be a lot of reps up for grabs this spring, and Palindo is going to walk right into that opportunity i'd say he'd at least get some second team reps this spring and uh just kind of a, a really good situation for him to be in uh, all things considered yeah so that's going to definitely give him a leg up as far if coming in as an early enrollee getting getting the opportunity to actually do that i you know don't be surprised if he he makes a legitimate claim at, at cracking the the offensive uh starting lineup uh, on the offensive line there so you know, we'll keep an eye on that one, see how that develops. But another player, another offensive lineman that the Bulldogs picked up is offensive lineman at Joseph Church, another six foot five player. And, you know, he's out of Upland, California, but you know, it seems like there's a trend. The Bulldogs figured out they needed help on offensive line. They went after offensive line and boy, did they, you know, really pick these guys with a lot of meat on their bones coming into this, uh, this lineup. <laughs> so what can you say about, um, church here on this one? Yeah. You know, uh, with Fresno state signing class, uh, church and Palindo are number one and number two, as far as the recruiting ranking go. So the offensive line, uh, they seem to really score with those two, you know, they, they had about five or six offensive linemen on the board with offers that I was looking at as potential signees for December in this class. And those two, as far as the recruiting rankings go far and away, uh, the best on the board uh, church had an offer from Arizona state as well. It didn't have quite as many offers total, but certainly one that could have had a Pac-12 opportunity. Uh, not quite as uh, thick as Palindo. He's only 285, but uh, you know, a little more raw is going to be a guy that's going to probably take a little more work to get ready, but He's already got a pretty solid rating by 24-7 sports. So, uh, I mean, two solid gets on the offensive line. And uh, not only will um, Church be coming from Upland, but they're also going to bring in uh, who has been described as his best friend, uh, Michael Munoz, who is a long snapper. It's not going to show up on our uh, signing list because he's going to come in as a walk-on first. But it does look like he'll be a guy likely on scholarship uh, pretty quickly and uh, could start as soon as uh, 2021 as the Bulldogs' long snapper for four years. So again, that's uh, Michael Munoz, a six foot three, 220 athlete who you won't see on the list, but is heading to Fresno State as well. That and that's a great addition that the Bulldogs are starting to make a change and making really going after offensive linemen. Uh, like you said earlier, you know, 11 uh, offensive linemen going down with injuries, and there's going to be quite a few of them still rehabbing. So. Adding in as many bodies as possible on the offensive line couldn't hurt. 
<laughs> I mean, let's let's think about it. I mean, there's a lot of players that went down. We, you know, granted, a lot of those actually got you know their first reps in on an offensive line, so they're going to have some experience. But man, going into this this season, there's still going to be quite a hole on that offensive line. So, you know, hearing that there's other players coming in on board is a good thing for the Bulldogs. But the next player on the list comes out of the JUCO ranks, and that's uh, defensive end Demarcus Johnson, uh, another three-star player out of American River College. And uh, this one, uh, I, I believe, is a good get for the Bulldogs. They, they need somebody to come in and, and really, uh, with some experience already, to, to kind of help bolster that defensive line. And what can you say about him, Jackson? Yeah, Demarcus Johnson, he was uh, actually a teammate of um, Lavelle Bailey as a high school senior at Burbank High School up in Sacramento. So those two are are really close and both had offers from Fresno State out of high school. But a couple games into the season, Johnson, I believe he said he broke his femur and dislocated his ankle all in one play. And so those offers disappeared (laughs) off the table for him, unfortunately, including Fresno State. So Fresno State was one of the few that took a chance on him early, and you know they offered him a second time as a junior college recruit, and you could certainly understand someone maybe being a little bitter about having his scholarship uh, taken away, but uh, he was all about for checking Fresno State out again. They had a new defensive line coach who basically restarted the recruiting process with a fresh start, and he did pick up an offer from Arizona State as well. So one we've <laughs> a program we mentioned a couple of times now with some of these recruits, but uh, he ultimately got down to Fresno State and Hawaii. And uh, the Bulldogs, being just a couple hours away from home, was a little bit of a, a better fit for him. And so he's going to be another mid-year guy, and a cool situation for him. He's got four years to play three seasons. And so he could be a, a junior college guy who might be able to contribute right away, or they could say, hey, Let's redshirt you, develop you for a year, and you've still got three years as if, um, you know, almost a, as a high school player, I mean, just one year removed. So he's a, one that they can definitely toy around with a little bit as far as what they do with him. And um, you know, the defensive end position is pretty interesting for the Bulldogs because they're going to bring back Kwame Jones, who had no offseason work last year coming off a back injury and only got back for the last four games. Uh, it looks like he could be a different kind of player this year at defensive end. Uh, Isaiah Johnson, who established himself as a starter, he came down with the knee injury. They had surgery. We probably won't see him in the spring. So uh, he ca- might be on the opposite end. Uh, we'll see if he's at 100% by the time the season starts. You've got a handful of guys like Alex Cruz, uh, Andrew Wright, um, Lavelle, uh, Lavelle Tatum, all kind of cycled in and out of the rotation and you've got a transfer in David Perales who was the team's scout team player of the year on defense so there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for reps and I think you put Johnson right in there with the mix of all those guys that are going to be competing for playing time next year yeah so things are uh really kind of going to be interesting on that uh in that defensive line there so hopefully you know he he melds well and gets he gets a chance to to play uh, quickly here with the Bulldogs Another player on the list, linebacker Tyler Mello. And this is a player out of Hanford High uh, here here in the Valley. Another another kind of another pipeline that the Bulldogs are, are starting to kind of realize and going after some of these local guys. Uh, another Hanford product, same same as, what, Juju Hoos, right, Jackson? He, yeah. They played at the same school. So, you know, this one was kind of a... 
he, he was a rising star. He was kind of uh, late to the show, and the Bulldogs realized that and went after him. He stands at six foot three, two 215 pounds. And what can you say about him? He looks like a quite a specimen there. Yeah, I was very impressed by his film as he started to kind of take off, as was 24-7 Sports. Uh, they upgraded him to a three-star rating. While he was committed to UC Davis, you don't see a whole lot of that. Uh, yeah, he entered his senior season, committed to UC Davis, and I believe he only had one other offer from Montana State. And you know, throughout August, September, October, I started hearing a lot of people over there, whether it be Hanford, you know, Tulare, that kind of area of the valley, really tucking up this kid from Hanford being a really special linebacker. And suddenly those offers started to pour in. I think he got about five or six Mountain West offers that all came in pretty quickly within a couple of weeks. And uh, he's a, a Valley kid. He's Bulldog born and Bulldog bred. His uncle was a Duncan Reed who played tight end for the Bulldogs in the early 2000s and was a, a pretty solid player for the dogs during that time. And, uh, you know, he's one that's been to all the Bulldogs camps as a, a kid. There's a picture of him with Travis Brown. Mello must have been what, about 10 at that time, I guess, somewhere around there. So he's been around the program for quite some time. He's been going to all the games. His family is uh, very much into the ag industry, and that's something that he's going to be pursuing at Fresno State as well. And so just overall, I mean, away from the football field, an awesome story for uh, Fresno State to bring him in. But on the field as well, a six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound athlete, an old school kind of linebacker. He hits hard. I mean, he, he's kind of short spoken about his game, but he'll tell you he's physical, he's hard nosed, and he just wants to to hit people and play that old school style of football. And that's something that Fresno State fans are really going to love. I think he's going to have a very bright future at Fresno State and make some real highlight hits in the years to come. And uh, overall, a really good get. He went out and checked out San Diego State and also Wyoming, I believe, on official visits and came home and realized he didn't want to go anywhere in either of those places. He wanted to stay right here at Fresno State, committed to the Bulldogs without a head coach and knew that uh, regardless of the situation, he wanted to, to start, stay right here in the Valley and play for the Bulldogs. Definitely, uh, definitely a good choice um, for the Bulldogs to go after him after him when they did uh, getting his commitment. He's definitely going to be one of those dynamic linebackers that uh, the Bulldog fans love seeing hard, hard nose, hard hitting type of linebacker. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to see him sooner rather than later uh, in Bulldog Stadium making some uh, big plays. Next player on the board. Uh, cornerback Cameron Forrest, a three-star cornerback out of uh, San Bernardino, California from Cajon High School. Uh, again, this is another player who chose Fresno State over other Mountain West schools, uh, but kind of has an interesting tie to Fresno State, right, Jackson? Yeah, he is the younger cousin of uh, Bulldog basketball player Jared Hyder, who has been, I mean, really awesome for the Bulldogs as a true freshman, had some big games already. Missed the last two with injury, but uh, it's very clear that Hyder could be someone that's very special for the Bulldog basketball program. And now they've got someone from the same family tree coming to play football. And uh, it was a recruitment that he had several Mountain West offers, but he came down to the three California State Mountain West schools to pick from. And that's always a key battle if you have San Diego State, San Jose State, and Fresno State all battling for the same recruit. And ultimately, the Bulldogs won that one out. So uh, that was a big one for the Dogs. And very well uh, spoken as far as his coverage abilities and his overall cornerback play. He's a little bit on the shorter end, about five foot ten, but uh, definitely one that comes in very 
well spoken about uh, across the the Southern California area, and uh, probably going to be the leader of the Bulldogs' defensive backfield efforts in this class. Yeah, so definitely going to be a, a good one uh, coming into uh, Bulldog uh, Stadium, and we'll hope to see him in the, the near future as well. Next player on the board, defensive back C.J. Jones. Um, he is uh, another one of those players that uh, seems to have early, strong Bulldog ties uh, here with the uh, Fresno State. So what can you say about him? Yeah, CJ is the first legacy recruit for Fresno State since the 2018 class. Uh, his father, Charlie Jones, uh, was a standout wide receiver for the Bulldogs in the early 1990s and went on to be an NFL player for quite a few years. I believe he was with the San Diego Chargers, so uh, definitely very strong ties there. Uh, CJ, uh, while his dad played wide receiver, uh, CJ has excelled as a defensive back, so there's um Definitely, uh, no, not not going to be compared to his father, but probably learned a thing or two about how to cover from his father. And uh, he was one that Fresno State offered again at that camp they had over the summer. He also picked up offers from San Jose State and UNLV, and had a pretty solid year with Buchanan. Especially, he made headlines for scoring three touchdowns in one game without any of them coming on offense. He had two pick sixes and he had a kick return for a touchdown. So this is a guy that is a playmaker. He could play corner or safety for the dogs, uh, standing in at five foot eleven and 175 pounds. I mean, local legacy ties. Uh, overall, this is the kind of guy you want to make sure stays at home and plays for Fresno State. And the Bulldogs were able to do that here. Now, of course, he comes out of Buchanan High and another one of these local teams. And he got a chance to play with with local stars such as, uh, uh, you know, Milton uh, over at Buchanan. So he he has been on a team that has been very successful these last few years. So definitely has the right type of mentality to come in here for the Bulldogs and, and try to play right away. The last player on the list, uh, defensive back Dupree Williams. Probably the biggest surprise on signing day, right, Jackson? Not even you had the him on your radar. <laughs> yeah, this one was definitely uh, the signing day surprise because it was never reported anywhere that he actually had an offer from Fresno State. He had, I believe, four others from the Mountain West, a couple like San Diego State and Nevada, UNLV, I believe, were in there. And um, not there wasn't really much of a, a known connection with Fresno State, and then suddenly he signs with the Bulldogs. So clearly they were after him. And he comes in with a pretty solid recruiting ranking as well. He's one of Fresno State's uh, better gets in this class. But uh, 24-7 has him as a safety. It sounds like the Bulldogs are pursuing him more as a corner. He's got that long six foot two, 175-pound uh, frame. Uh, it's kind of a, a athlete that the Bulldogs had with Jaron Bryant, who is now graduating out of the program. Uh, they have it with Chris Gaston, who started quite a bit at cornerback this season. Uh, Wylan Free, who played some corner last year for the Dogs. So this is um, you know, probably a, a guy that they want to backfill with some of those players because, as we saw, as Fresno State lost a lot of cornerbacks uh, due to injury as well, they had a lot of those 5'10 kind of corners, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the Bulldogs would like to keep their options open and develop someone that might have a little more uh, natural, God-given athletic ability if they can – uh, utilize it to the best of his ability. So Williams definitely intriguing, probably more of a, a project, one that they'll probably redshirt and let develop a little bit. And 
we'll see if uh, he pans out and um, makes a quite a bit of an impact at the cornerback position. Yeah, so definitely a great recruiting class for the Bulldogs, and yet they still have some positions to fill, right, Jackson? How many spots do they have left that they can still sign? Yeah, so they only signed 12, but it sounds like they only have three official spots left to go. Uh, that is because of their use of the blue shirt provision, which they have used heavily ever since Coach Tedford first got here. They were in a real rough position with what they inherited with Coach DeRuder as far as the numbers go. And so Coach Tedford had hoped to wean the program off of that rule before he exited. But uh, due to the abruptness of his stepping down due to health reasons, they, they weren't able to make that happen. Uh, the Bulldogs do have two commits currently, Jameer Shepard, a wide receiver out of Palo Alto, and linebacker uh, Hunter Calpico out of Las Vegas. Uh, those two did not sign, but they have not um, rescinded their commitment either. So the Bulldogs may have even fewer spots to work with in February. But I anticipate the Bulldogs will probably use that blue shirt rule again, which means they can sign some more recruits after February that will count to the following year's class. So I uh, would expect some movement between now and February, and I would also inspect, uh, expect quite a few more players to be recruited between February and about June and July, the, about the last possible time before those players start showing up to campus. Now, Jackson, are we ever going to see the Bulldogs really getting off of this blue shirt thing going forward? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we would like to see them recruit some bigger classes uh, the first time through, not having to rely a lot on those blue shirt uh, kind of type of deals, but do you see the, them ever getting off of the blue, sheet, <laughs> blue shirt thing? You know, eventually. And I think uh, this was kind of the window they were looking at. We'll see if there's any sort of mass um, turnover on the roster due to the coaching change. But if they can avoid that, this year or next year is probably the time to kind of fix that a little bit. Because um, this year's senior class was pretty small. And next year's senior class is pretty small as well. And then... Um, you know, the the following next three senior classes it looks like which will be mostly coach tedford commits uh that's when you're going to have some bigger classes and opportunity to sign a lot more recruits so it's been kind of a double edge for the bulldogs here where they don't have as many openings due to the small class of seniors and even if they had the big class of seniors they couldn't do it anyway uh, so this might be a window for them to to kind of bridge the gap maybe um you know, lean on it less this time around so that they can kind of split the gap for next year. But you, know, you get a new head coach, you find out what your needs are after spring ball, and you want to bring in guys to fill in those spots still in the next couple of months. So it's a little bit yet to be seen, but there is an opportunity here if uh, they keep all their scholarship guys from transferring uh, in the next couple of years. All right, so that does it for the the recruiting class uh, for the Fresno State Bulldogs, of course, for this uh, upcoming season. Well, at least for the the year 2019 uh, is concerned. Uh, There's still three spots to be filled. Uh, Those will probably be filled, you know, pretty quickly uh, heading into February, the final signing class. Uh, And I'm pretty sure, Jackson, you're already probably picking up some players that might be on their radar for the upcoming signing class, right? Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs even offered two on signing day on uh, on Wednesday. So that was a little bit surprising. And so you can definitely see that they've got their eyes on some guys they want to fill in this class with. Um, But overall, a pretty impressive job by the interim staff to keep everything together and even add some recruits. 
uh, when Coach Tedford stepped down, the Bulldogs were ranked eighth in the Mountain West and the recruiting rankings. They've jumped all the way to third uh, thanks to these efforts. And because they probably won't have a lot of action by February, you could probably expect them to drop a couple of spots just because other schools are going to be bolstering their recru- recruiting class a little bit more. Um, but then Fresno State, the last couple of years, has used February to June or July to find some of those hidden three-star guys and br- get themselves right back up there in the recruiting ranking. So I would anticipate the same kind of ebb and flow to occur for Fresno State over the rest of the year. Uh, but for now, Bulldogs with the top three Mountain West recruiting class, which is uh, remarkable considering they're going through a coaching change. Now, that that will pretty much do it for our podcast for today. Jackson, any final words uh, that you want to uh, you know pass along uh, right before Christmas here to our uh, uh, Barkboard fans out there? Yeah, we wish everyone a happy holidays, and thank you for listening all season long. And it looks like we're going to have a, a much more um, – an off season filled with a lot more excitement than we expected. It looked like we were going to kind of have to wait and round and, and see if coach Tedford and the staff was going to get things back on track next year. And all of a sudden the last season is kind of washed away with a new coaching hire and a lot of new assistants. It looks like are going to come in. So, I mean, this is a exciting time for sure. And it's going to be a very interesting off season. We've got everything covered for you on the Barkboard insider board where we are we're tracking all the coaching movement and seeing um, who the new hires may be. We'll be definitely vetting through what candidates might be uh, on the board for Fresno state in the weeks to come. And uh, spring ball is going to be a a very exciting time to see what the future of Fresno state football is going to be headed. Uh, Of course, we've got basketball coverage still going on. Uh, Bulldogs coming off back-to-back wins and uh, recruiting will continue to be a, a heavy emphasis as well. We're still circling back with some of the new commits because uh, Fresno State added five on signing day. So we're getting those full in-depth insider interviews together on those guys, as well as some of the others that uh, we may have missed up to this point. And we'll definitely be tracking the recruiting coverage very closely as uh, February comes around for round two. Now, the good news about uh, all the the latest news of coaching changes and and all the turmoil, all the all the the, the news we didn't expect this season to happen, it just means you're going to have more podcasts in the off season. <laughs> We're not going to just shut it down uh, like we do sometimes for for the holidays and the off season. Uh, we're you know they might not come as frequently as we've had it all season long, but it just means that we will have more podcasts. Uh, this off season than we did last off season, right, Jackson? I mean, we'll we'll continue to put these out as news continues to break. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just going back, it looks like it's going to be a much more um, news filled off season cycle than we anticipated. Uh, yeah, again, it looked like it was going to be pretty much status quo, um, uh, just kind of waiting around. Uh, the recruiting class wasn't very big uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and now everything's kind of turned upside down on its head. So. That's definitely not done at this point, and um, as the holidays pass, the staff will start to come together, and as will the rest of this recruiting class, too. Yeah, so stay tuned as we continue to uh, to put on the podcast and deliver the news. Um, as always, if you haven't done so already, head over to thebarkboard.com and check out all the latest news and updates, um, especially if you are not a premium subscriber. Um, ask uh, ask your significant other to make it a stocking stuffer for you, um, and and get it for you so that you can go ahead and and get all the latest news because uh, we we tend to break the news 
sooner than the local media does on our premium boards. Uh, the, the information is out there. And so, of course, we have information that other news sources don't have sometimes. And so make sure you head over to, to the uh, premium boards and get your fix on Bulldog football, so to speak. But that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us, and I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if we don't talk again before then. And join us again next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.